Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This is episode 37 with Melody Adami, the president and CEO of Plastic Mobile. In our conversation, we talk about how she took the jump from a well-sought-out job of a strategic marketing student, the challenges of selling mobile apps early on, and the belief that she and her team had to keep on pushing through and also the impact of being acquired by the fifth largest communications company in the world. Fun fact, Melody was coined the queen of apps in 2015. Before getting started, I'd like to thank my media partners, IT World Canada, Startup Canada, for the support of the podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Melody. Thank you. Well, Melody, let's start off just by introducing yourself to the listeners out there. Tell us a little bit about who you are when you're not growing and leading businesses. Uh, So, like you you said before, I'm Melody Adhemi. I'm, uh, uh, I mean, I would have started with my title, but I guess if I'm not leading businesses, I'm a mom of three. I have three young children, four, two, and six months. Um, When I'm not leading businesses, that's what keeps my entire day busy. (laughs) Oh, wow. Amazing. And, and I'm sure you and I could share a lot of stories, but you, you're up with three kids. I have my first child and she's at 17 months. So you're in between that. So kudos to you for keeping going and still coming to work every day, I guess. Um, yeah. You know what? Uh, I think, it, of course, it's a challenge. You have to balance the home life with the work life, but that's kind of what keeps it exciting. You know, if I'm not at 100 and 30%. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I uh, know. I like that 130. So why don't we just jump in that? Let's jump in where you are, where we are today. And thank you for inviting me to your beautiful Toronto office. So tell us about Plastic Mobile. I mean, you did mention, but your current role and maybe perhaps what you're trying to accomplish today or over the next 12 months. So yeah, just a little bit of background. Um, I'm the president and chief operating officer of Plastic Mobile. We are a mobile company. We build apps. So if you think of some of Canada's top apps like Shoppers Drug Mart, Pizza Pizza, we've worked with Royal Bank. Um, if any of those apps are on your phone, we've built it. Um, and we're an agency, so we work with some of the top brands. Um, about three years ago, we were acquired by a global um, communication company by the name of Havas. So you're sitting in you know, the Havas offices right now. That's where we are. And really, over the next 12 months, I think our goal is to continue to be the Canadian leaders in the mobile space, um, start venturing a little bit more into the marketing areas where we get mobile closer to marketing, mobile deeper into the operations of businesses, and, um, you know, work with bigger, better, you know, more clients. <laughs> it's so crazy you said that, Melody. I, I think I used the three apps on my phone that you mentioned, so it's really nice to be close to who built that? And, and, and one thing I loved about the shoppers app, and it's, it's just brought to my mind is, is when you, the points and you, you flip it around and those bubbles are, I mean, that's great. I don't know for the listeners out there. It's, it's just a great user interface, uh, for uh, that. Um, we, we worked a long time for those bubbles. You know, it seems like a small thing. I'm glad you noticed it. I, well, I, <laughs> the funny thing is I have a computer engineering background, so I do appreciate what happens and the, the small things. 
So that's amazing. Great. But I just want to jump uh, a little bit about you and your history because it, for me and the podcast, bringing it together, it really fascinates me how, how folks like yourselves get to where they are today. Um, so you started working for a billion dollar company, Unilever, like brands like Dove, Hellman's and Lipton. So I'd love for you, Melody, share some of your key turning points that you encountered and the decisions you made that eventually allowed you to grow as a business leader. I think, um, so I'll just start at the, you know, back where I need to. And that was, uh, you know, I, I have a degree in strategic marketing. So, um, anybody who graduates from marketing, you know, the top goals and careers are Unilever, P&G, Nestle. That's where you're going. That's where you're going to get your training. That's where you're going to breed into the best marketers in the world. And, and so, you know, I, I heard something ridiculous, like a million people interview for those jobs or wow. something. I mean, that fact is not correct, but something really big, um, interview for those positions. And, you know, I got one of those coveted positions and I entered into Unilever. Um, and, you know, Unilever is a great company. It's a large company. The, you know, the capabilities, the brands, they're all, it's amazing. I can't say anything bad about it, but I think the environment wasn't for me. You know, I remember one day I was sitting on my desk and this is about, you know, eight months in and, and I, you know, I was entry level and I look up and then like, you know, across from me was the, was an, was an office and the office was by a window. And that was like, you know, you know, I could be up for that position in two years. And then you look like two, two doors down and there was like the next role. And then, you know, I could probably get there in about five years and then I'd have to go into sales. And then at the very, very end, there was the corner office and, and that, you know, that was something, that job, that title was something I could probably get into in 20 years. And, and I really sat there for a moment and I pictured myself and I said, okay, that's the corner office. That's the coveted corner office. Is that the job I want? And am I willing to spend 20 years getting there? And no disrespect to the people in those roles because those are amazing roles and they're making big differences. But for me, that was not the job I wanted. So I wasn't going to sit there for 20 years to realize once I got there that that is, you know, not the job I wanted. So I think I lasted at Unilever for about a year. Um, and then I just quit. I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have anything else. I didn't have plastic lined up. Um, and I just, it, I knew that it wasn't right for me and I wasn't going to wait 20 years to figure it out. I knew that once I jump, I'll figure out what to do next. And so that's what I did. Taking that risk, taking that jump and not knowing where you were going. Can you share with us maybe some of the fears that was going through your mind or the emotions that you were doing? Because obviously, and maybe you did think it through, but some people don't as well. They just, they just do it. So I think, I mean, okay, so we have to paint the picture. I was 23 years old and at 23 <laughs> years old, you're not thinking about a lot of things. I mean, the thought of not having an income was scary. Yeah. Um, but was it the same fear that I would have right now with three kids? No. I mean, I didn't have mouths to feed. I didn't have, you know, if I had recently bought a condo. So the worst case scenario is I would have to move back in with my parents, sure, which, sure. you know, wasn't so bad for me. I like them. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't, that was my biggest fear and it wasn't so bad. I figured, you know, I take this risk. We do that. You know, I do this now and um, the worst case scenario is that, you know, I think once, sometimes when you evaluate the scenarios, the alternative isn't so bad. And it wasn't for me at that time. So, and tell me, I mean, you, you mentioned when you jumped ship, you didn't have plastic mobile lined up. So when did that come to fruition? 
Yeah, so definitely not lined up. Um, I had uh, met my my husband-to-be at that time, so the person I'm married to right now, Sep, and um, he was a software engineer. And at that time, he was working at Critical Mass, which is an, you know, a wonderful agency here in Toronto, and he was leading their... Um, technical department, their, their digital, you know, offering. And, um, we were, you know, I quit, but we were about to get married in six months. So it was one of those things where I was like, I'll quit, you know, we'll get married and then we'll figure it out. And I remember we got married in Mexico and we were coming back and on the plane, on the way back, Sep turns to me and says, you know, I know like, you know, I have a secure job and like we, you know, we were kind of all counting on this, but I think, you know, if we're ever going to do anything right now is the time. So I think when we land, we, you know, we, we do it. And that's what happened. We landed and he gave up the security as well. So now we were really, really like, you know, our backs weren't covered anymore. Uh, there was no security and we decided we were going to start the business. Um, uh, he had at that time, I don't know if you remember, there was like text to win campaigns and there was a lot of, I, do, yeah. I remember the, uh, Google had come out with a new like for info or you can, you can text anything to Google, like your flight information or taxi and things would just happen. And I, I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, this is the future. Like if this isn't the future, I don't know what is. And so it was very early days of mobile. The iPhone had maybe just been released. The app store hadn't really been opened. And so we felt like, you know, we, we, we want to be in the mobile space and, and we want to do something that's going to transform the world in the mobile space. And that's when we started Plastic. Oh, Amelia, I really love the story in terms of how you left, you got married, your husband turns to you and says, let's just, let's just <laughs> run into the sun, you know, the sunset together and, and just go crazy. And I guess the timing was right in terms of what was happening in the mobile space. And so both of you eventually launched Plastic Mobile and it was... I think every, the, the stars lined up because, like you said, Apple was just releasing. Nothing was really set in stone in terms of mobile. And you eventually, or both of you eventually grew this and be, became successful. I mean, I read that you were coined queen of apps. <laughs> do, do people still call you the queen of apps? You know, it's one of those things that um, the Globe and Mail, we had an article in the Globe and, Mail, Globe and Mail pretty early on that coined me the queen of apps. And I've been like living that down every single day since. <laughs> it started with the article and a, and a nice like paper crown on my desk the morning of. And it's just, Amazing. you know, and I got a text message, you know, one of my uh, teammates are like, you know, trying to give me some words of advice. And she's like, you don't need advice. You're the queen of apps. You know, to this day, people still say it. It's funny. It's fun. It's nothing, nothing really more than that. Um, That's a testament as well in terms of the time that you brought Plastic Mobile. So I guess what I'm curious to know from that time to today, the company grew. So I really want to know how you were able to handle the responsibility of hiring and building the culture that you wanted of what Plastic Mobile was to be. <clears throat> you know, from the very beginning, uh, for us, it wasn't about uh, just growth. You know, um, there was a time where I think somebody knocked on our door and said, "We have 18 apps. We want you to build. We want you to build. We want you to white label, and we just want you to build it." And I remember going back to the team and being like, "You know, there's all these apps that we don't necessarily believe in. We don't think they're the right strategy. We don't even think people should be doing it." Like. Yeah, we can take the money and we can build them, but we wouldn't be doing justice to our industry. You know, we 
really felt like applications had a specific purpose. We felt like they, they could be done right. And if they're done wrong, it would, um, the belief in the industry as a whole would drop, you know, people would say apps don't work. People would say mobile is just a fad. You know, this is some of the things we were dealing with early on. Mm -hmm. So we really held that close to our hearts. And we said, you know, we're going to go for quality. We're going to go for um, giving the best user experience. We're going to go for giving users exactly what they want. And we're going to make sure there's a right strategy for it. And I think that that's been the mantra. That's been the stake in the ground. That's been what we've built our entire promise on. and, And we continue that to today. And where did you learn, like, in terms of bringing that mantra and, and that culture? Was that something, um, just the belief that because you're in this mobile space, you just wanted to make sure it was that we only, number one, this is it? If you just put yourself back to where we were, when we went into mobile, people didn't necessarily believe in the space. I remember we went into a meeting once and somebody turned around and it's like... This mobile thing, it's a fad, just like Facebook is a fad, and this is going (laughs) to fade. And, you know, at that time, we believed in it so wholeheartedly that it didn't matter how many people told us it's a fad or that it was going to fade or that they didn't have budgets for it, you know. I remember that day we were trying to get a prototype that, you know, would have been about $30,000 to build. And today we do multi-million dollar builds for, for, for major companies in Canada because um, the mobile space is such a core part of their offering. It is such a huge touch point with their customers. And I think what I learned through these years is that, you know, when you believe in it and you have the, con- you know, you know with conviction that it is, then you go after it and you go for it. And that's what, you know, we've done through these years. So I want to go back to a couple of years ago. I mean, you mentioned it enough at the beginning. Plasmobile Mobile was acquired in 2015 by, I think they're the sixth largest communications company, Havas. If you could share that experience going through that, that acquisition. Yeah, you know, um, we got to a place with Plastic where we felt if we wanted to really scale and if we wanted to really grow, that we wanted the backing of a, of a larger company. We wanted the, the stability that comes in, in the, in the minds of our cu- customers. We want them to know that there's a stable business behind there and the sixth largest communication company in the world is just that. So that was really the driving force behind why we, you know, why we went through with the acquisition. It would allow us to scale. It would give us that permanence in the mind of us, our customers. Customers, and then you know when it did happen, and when we did actually go uh, towards selecting the right partner, I think Havas was the right fit for Plastic. You know, they uh, are a very family-driven company. We were very family-oriented. We weren't family. All of us weren't family, but really, we really did feel that way. And I think that really brought us close together in terms of philosophy. And, you know, we're three years in and I think it's been a great partnership. It's been, it's been wonderful to be part of the network. And I think, um, we've had a lot to gain and they've had a lot to gain. So it's definitely been a mutually beneficial arrangement. That's, that's great. And, and it's really sounding like in terms of that it was, coming from the client side or really understanding what your clients needs for. So was this something that perhaps you or your executive team was looking at before a couple of years or was it in your mind or was were you guys approached? I think, you know, where it triggered for us was we had an RFP for a client that was global. It was very large, huge mandate. And while the skill and capabilities that we had 
and the team that we had to deliver what they needed was perfect. The size that we were wasn't. And it was scary for that large company to depend on a company the size of ours to be able to roll out what they needed. Right, right. And so at that moment, we knew that if we were to become solid in the minds of the customers, to become a safe option for some people, that having that backing of a larger networking company would really allow us to, to be able to scale and get projects that of the size that we, we knew we were capable of. And so does Havas bring in those resources now to you? Or is it more of like the relationship that you have with them is it's like that seal of approval and on on these RFPs now and that, that understanding in the client size, you know what, Plastic Mobile is here for good. I think it's both. To be honest, it's both. It, we are here for good. And I think we have a huge network and lots of resources to pull from. So, and we do. So I think, you know, we get best of both worlds and and it helps us as a business yeah because it sounds like you're three years in and the brand still i walk to your office it doesn't say havas so absolutely you, <laughs> it says havas it says plastic absolutely yeah, so, so it really is both for us great. um it's not just plastic alone absolutely looking back what do you think was the most difficult part of merging both the uh, both organizations and what do you think you would do differently now I think the most difficult part is really people related, you know? Mm -hmm. I think whenever something like that happens, there's a lot of hesitation in the minds of people and what that means for their jobs and what that means for them. And bringing people together, I think, is really important. I think, uh, what would I do differently? I think I would bring people closer sooner. Mm. So, like example. So, for example, let's say some people within the Havas teams and the plastic teams, I would bring them closer sooner. So, I mean, it t- it takes some time sure. to sort of get to know each other, but I think I would put opportunities and initiatives that would make the teams work together sooner. And I think that allows people to learn who they are before they can form a perception of someone else. Right. And I think that's been the biggest challenge. And, and, and you know, we worked in the, the first little while to overcome that. And I think we've done a great job with it. And what do you think the transition was in terms of that comfort level between the organizations or really understanding, you know what, we're, we're, we're one and we're one company now? I don't think that, I think that everyone knows we're one company. We moved into the same offices. We're under the same roof. I think that kind of proximity really helps with that. Right. I think having, we have one leader that, you know, is responsible for us and, and, and the other services within Havas. So I think that definitely helps for the unity and doing things together. I think all of these things help to solidify in the minds of people that we are one company. Sarah Blakely is a mentor of yours. Can you share with us what leadership qualities or something that she taught you that you've adopted from her? And what else did you learn from her? Okay, I'm just going to have to correct that. She's not my mentor. I've never met her, but she is somebody I look up to. I think that was the question. Um, I think uh, I follow her story. And I think the thing that I admire most about her is that she doesn't really see barriers uh, or obstacles that stop her. Okay. She finds ways around things and she treks through them. I mean, like if you've listened to her podcast or, or anywhere that she's spoken, she always, you know, tells the story about how she went to, I don't know if it was Nordstrom or Saks and, and met there, you know, the person who was in charge of, you know, 
carrying the merchandise and she you know she's like follow me to the bathroom I want to show you the spanks and she literally took this lady into the bathroom and showed the spanks on her own you know buttocks so that she could show how great this product is and I think that that takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts and I admire that in any business person the right. courage and the guts to do you know the weirdest things sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Anything weird or, or courageous that you did that that sort of they, not adopting it because you look up to Sarah in terms of the things like that, that that sort of humanizes you or puts you in those type of situations. I mean, look, you're you start a business from scratch, and that means you do pretty much any role. I mean. I haven't, you know, there's been times, you know, at the beginning when we were about five people and I QA'd Quality Assured, an app throughout the night all the way till morning. And then I slept on the couch that night. And then, you know, we were moving from one office to the next and the movers ended up like basically abandoning us last second. And we literally were moving the stuff ourselves from one office, you know, to the next. So, yeah, there are a lot of things you do because you have to that humanize who you are. You know, you're not always at the top and you're not always, mm -hmm. you know, sitting down looking, you know, you're not looking down at people. You're working with people and you're solutioning and you're getting stuff done. I think that's what a leader is all about. A hundred percent. And I'm, personally, I'm curious, are you, when's the last time you got down and did a little QA? Honestly, I'm going to have to be honest with you. I almost QA every single app that goes out. I mean, I don't stay up all night doing it. I, I won't lie about that, but there's a sign-off form and my signature's at the bottom. So I get an application, I play with it, and I see it before it goes out. No, I guess. And I guess for the listeners, QA is, is uh, Melody just testing the application before making sure that she saw it and looked at it. And because and I'm sure Melody's going to be the one, and you correct me if I'm wrong, who's going to answer to her client. You know, I, and that's one of the things. Um, most of my clients have my personal cell phone number, and I've given them my seal of approval. And I've said, <laughs> you know what? If there's something wrong, you call me. It doesn't matter if it's midnight. So I would rather not get the call. I like to look at the apps before they go out. No, 100%. <laughs> I love it. Before we got together, Melody, you mentioned that you, you're reading, or perhaps you read it already, Elon Musk's uh, biography. I mean, aside from his perpetual successes, why did you decide to read it? You know, I, I think there's not a lot of places in tech you can turn and not hear Elon Musk's name. Yeah. So, you know, my husband drives a Tesla. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't, I, you know, I needed to know what was it behind this guy who created this car that's pretty amazing and pretty awesome and, and disruptive. Um, I like that. I love disruptive. Uh, business people and people who don't take no for an, an answer and people who push beyond the limits that, you know, society or people set for them. And Elon Musk is one of them. And, oh. you know, he is working on putting us on, on Mars. So, you know, who else is crazy enough to say that? And anybody who doesn't think that that's interesting and doesn't want to read about it, I don't know. No, great, crazy. <laughs> I mean, I definitely know a lot about it, but what do you think was the biggest thing or most surprised thing that you, you learned from reading his biography about him? I don't think there's one surprise. Yeah, the biggest surprise was that he's literally motivated by taking us to Mars. And I was like, you know, you can be motivated by small goals or goals that seem big, but this is really big. And, he, and it's, not, <laughs> it's not like he just says it 
to it from what I read. I mean, what I hear, it's not like he just says it hoping like, you know, aim for the, for the moon and you'll land among the stars type of thing. I think he means he wants to go to Mars. You know, he's literally having spaceships take off and land again. So he's getting close. And I think that's a hefty goal. And I love to watch that story unfold. And I hope it happens in my lifetime. And I'll tell you, I do, I have no desire to go to Mars. I think the world, Earth has so much that I have yet to discover that Mars is not even in my realm of places I'd like to go to. But having someone who believes that they want to do that so badly um, makes me so intrigued and interested to watch and listen. I know. And for me, I'm also in the same uh, mindset, but how about our, our children's generation? Could you, would you, do you even imagine that one of your children go to you say, Mom, I'm going to Mars? No, you know, my, my husband says that <laughs> if there's ever an opportunity uh, that he would love to go. And I'm like, you're crazy. Our kids have to be older. <laughs> <laughs> Because, and, it, and it might be a one-way ticket at first. That's what I'm saying. Our kids have to be older and I have to be sure, you know. But yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's, it is some people's dreams and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to stand in the way of people's dreams. And, and in fact, if they're that big, I'm one to watch it. No, it's great. And cheer them on for sure. Absolutely. So if I were to ask any of your team, colleagues, business partners, peers, what the best leadership quality you possess what do you think they would say honestly that's a really tough question <laughs> <laughs> i think something that i've heard people say that they 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 like about the way my leadership style is is that i'm involved but i don't micromanage i'm not absent i don't sit around and, and watch things happen i actually partake in discussions and conversations and i i'm i'm in them but i don't necessarily mandate or tell people how to do things in fact i think mistakes are where people learn and i let my team make them okay i let them make the ones that don't cost us a lot <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's let's be honest if they're not going to cost us a lot in terms of money reputation hurting people or something like that, then those mistakes are, are okay to be made. And I stand by and I watch it sometimes. And that's great. And that's, that's sort of the leader. The, it's almost like a mother figure. <laughs> queen, the queen of apps, al <laughs> allowing, allowing everyone to, to make their mistakes as they grow as well. So that's great. Um, so what else, Melody? Do you have any other special projects, any initiatives, or perhaps something fun that you're looking towards or you're excited about over the next couple, next time? Uh, yeah. So there is actually something, um, for and this, I'm kind of really excited about. It. I've been working on it for about the past, uh, maybe, maybe a year or so for Canada's 150th, um, birthday, which is this year. I started, uh, to think like, you know, how can, you know, what can we do that's special? What can I do that's special for, for this, you know, this amazing 150 years? Um, And so I've uh, compiled a book, it's called Your Turn, of 150 of Canada's top women, basically. And the idea is, is to bring all these accomplished people together, compile a book that should be released at the end of November, and to celebrate with them. And there's an event that we're going to have, and there's going to be a celebration of all these wonderful, wonderful women. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so happy that you shared that with us. And... I'd love to share that with our audience. So when it does get released, be sure, Melody, to share, share with me the link 
And we'll share it out on our website and make sure people know about it as well. I mean, that's super exciting. I'm really excited to, to see who the 150 is as well. And I think that's a great, great thing that you're putting forward as well for, for everyone out there. Absolutely. So that's, thank you for sharing that. That's great. Absolutely. So, thank I mean, you. it's, it's, I'm having a blast, Melody, but before we end, I'd love to get, some final thoughts, some observations. Ideally, I'd, I'd like to get actionable recommendations that you could share to the listeners out there who are either starting their career at a Fortune 500 uh, within a strategic marketing or perhaps maybe thinking of growing, leaving, anything that you could share today. You know, it's tough because that asks me to look back 10 years and, and, and share everything that I think has been important. And one thing does pop out in my mind. And that's to be true to yourself, to be, you know, we're not all one people and our paths are not paved the exact same way. And our, what we want to do isn't exactly the same. You may listen to this podcast and think, oh gosh, she was crazy. What made her do that? You know, she had this stable, you know, job and maybe one day she could have been the head of that company and maybe so, but it wasn't the path for me. Um, and I think listen to that within yourself. And, and sometimes the problem is you hear it, but you don't listen to it. I think listen to it. And I think it'll lead you down the right path. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's great uh, recommendation. So to close, Melody, please tell us where you could find more information about you, Plastic Mobile, or anything else you'd love to share. Well, you can go to the Plastic Mobile website. We've got a blog. We've got a Twitter. We've got a Facebook, probably an Instagram account, Twitter. You name it. You can check us out there. Awesome. Melody, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to episode 37 of the Business Leadership Podcast with my guest, Melody Adani. I really enjoyed speaking and learning from her from taking the risk when she recognized that mobile could be an opportunity to growing that team until she was inquired and really to know that she still does some quality assurance on Finnish apps. To learn more about Melody, Plastic Mobile and the recently launched book, visit the episode webpage at thebusinessleadership.com slash 037. Thank you for all the messages. I really appreciate the comments questions and suggestions keep them coming so feel free to contact me directly via email edwin at thebusinessleadership.com you could also find me on social media twitter facebook instagram and if you haven't done so yet please subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play or wherever you listen to your podcast thank you again until next time edwin signing off Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.